St. Dominic's Catholic Church in San Francisco presents a homily by Pastor Father Michael Hurley on the first Sunday of Lent, March 1st, 2020. Today's Gospel is taken from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, proclaimed by Charles, Deacon Charles McNeil. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. At that time, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was hungry. The tempter approached and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. He said in reply, It is written, one does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and made him stand on the parapet of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and with their hands they will support you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, Again, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Then the devil took him up a very high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their magnificence. And he said to him, All these I will give to you if you will prostrate yourself and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Get away from me, Satan. It is written, The Lord your God shall you worship, and him alone shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. The Gospel of the Lord. Jesus' temptation in the desert, which we hear about in the Gospel today, gives us insight on how we might begin Lent well. In fact, Jesus' encounter with the devil in those three moments of temptation provide perhaps three moments of insight on the nature of temptation and how temptation itself can be a catalyst or an opportunity to learn about who we are and who God is and the nature of these 40 days of Lenten journey. Ready? All right, here we go. Three insights. First of all, Temptation is natural. 
It's human. It's not a bad thing. In fact, Jesus is tempted to show precisely that he is human, fully human. He's not just playing at or having the appearance of human flesh. He's fully human in every way. Temptation is not necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes folks will be like, oh, Father Michael, I've got all these temptations, all these dark thoughts, I've got all these evil impulses, and I'm bedeviled with all sorts of things from anger, jealousy, pride, lust. What am I doing wrong? Especially, I remember one time I was very worked up, very almost paralyzed, and I said, okay, stick your right arm out, or your left arm out, I guess my left arm out. You're right, my left, anyway. <laughs> Take your right hand, put it right here on your wrist. Can you feel your pulse? Guess what that means? <laughs> it means you're alive, you're human, and you will be tempted. <laughs> if you can feel your pulse, <laughs> you are sure that at some point you'll experience temptation. You'll experience those natural desires that come, that call, that kind of bedevil us, or, or which we struggle through. But it doesn't necessarily mean we're doing something wrong. Just take a deep breath. We face that temptation like Jesus does full on. And we recognize that temptations are, number one, human and shouldn't paralyze us or cause us undue worry. But we, this is the second point, see that temptations are often the opportunity for growth. The opportunity for growth. Back to the scripture. Why did Jesus go in the desert? Did he go? He's like, oh, I'm going to go see if I'm going to go like Survivor, you know, that show. I'm going to go out and see if I can make it in the desert. No, no. He's led by the Spirit. It's act, in fact, the gospel begins, Jesus is impelled. The Greek word there is almost like pushed into the desert by the Holy Spirit. Why? Because temptation offered Christ the opportunity to purify, to recollect, to be able to grow so that he might do what? What does he do after the desert? Begin his preaching ministry, right? In fact, in fact, it was the reason why Jesus was tempted was in some ways the devil was trying to keep him from preaching. In other words, when we are tempted, we can do two things. We can either be overwhelmed with anxiety, fear, trepidation, or we can say to ourselves, maybe I'm facing this temptation because God wants me to be a blessing to someone else. In other words, the temptation is not a sign we're doing something wrong, but a sign that God wants to be a blessing through us, and that temptation is therefore trying to thwart that plan of God, right? Temptation, our first instinct should be like, what's God calling me to? What blessing can I be for others? How can I grow from this? Consider virtue. Virtue, I think sometimes we think virtue is if I pray really hard for a particular virtue, like for patience, Lord. Make me patient. And I pray really hard, get a good night's sleep. I'm just going to be able to be patient with everyone who comes in my life. God will infuse it in me from on high. And sometimes God does give us particular graces for particular moments. But by and large, that's not the way it works, right? How do we grow impatient? By being around people we can't stand, <laughs> frankly, right? By, by practicing, by being with our family or friends or people who annoy us or frustrate us and being able to take that deep breath, right? <laughs> and being able to grow and exercise that virtue. We, we grow by exercise, by facing that temptation. You know, you're lifting, you get strong muscles, right? You lift the weights, right? You overcome. There's that counterweight, counter-resistance. Temptation gives us that opportunity to face that temptation, struggle with it, 
and in that very struggle to grow in virtue. This leads to the third aspect of temptation. Not only does temptation shouldn't throw us off, very normal, not only temptation the opportunity to grow, but temptation can be that moment of opportunity when we realign our will with God's will. We align our heart and mind with the heart and mind of our God. And how does this happen? Well, very often it happens when we recognize that we're a little bit out of our depth or the struggle we're struggling with seems overwhelming. There's that common phrase, perhaps you've heard it, God does not send us more than we can handle. Raise your hand if you've heard something to that effect, that, that kind of phrase. God will never send us or never tempt us or never give us a situation more than we can handle, right? I'll take that. You know what I found that to be in my life? False. <laughs> I don't think that's true at all. In fact, it's a kind of half-truth, in fact, right? It's a half, which can be more dangerous than the truth, hmm? a half-truth. God sends, feel, I feel like God sends me lots of things, and I'm like, whoa, I can't possibly deal with that, my own will, right? St. Paul, St. Paul has this. He's got this thorn in the flesh. He says, take this away from me. This is too much. What does God say? Does God say, you ever heard the one, the phrase, I'll never send you more than you can handle? <laughs> is that what he says? No. <laughs> he basically says, no, you can't handle this, but... And here's the point. My grace is sufficient for you. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says, you, without me, you can do exactly and precisely nothing. God sends us things we can't handle all the time. And the point is not that we suddenly summon the willpower, the strength, or even as much as we grow in virtue, the kind of virtue to deal with it, unless we turn to the Lord and say, I can't do it, Lord. I'm lost. And in that moment, what happens? Our will, our strength is now open and connected to God's will. Suddenly, we have strength and resource beyond our own powers. We have access now to the divine love, the divine generosity, the divine way of being, which goes above and beyond anything we could muster. Without me, you can do nothing but with me when we say, like Mary, I will be done. Be it done to me according to your word. All things are possible. Anything is possible. That's the point of Lent. It's the point of our spiritual life, to come to a place where we can say, Lord, your will be done in my life. And that's what temptation can be the occasion for, the recognition that we're out of our depth, too much to handle, and we throw our trust, our confidence, all of our hope in the Lord, asking for his will to be done. The Our Father begins, and of course the Our Father is so uh, powerful as a prayer. It's the prayer Jesus taught us to say. And in that prayer, after we name God as our Father, and his name being holy, hallowed be thy name, we give a very powerful, it's the very first petition, if you will, the first thing we ask for in the Our Father. And it's powerful. It's a little bit dangerous, too. It's a little bit challenging. We say, what do we say? Thy kingdom come, and then we say, four very powerful words, which are the heart of Lent, the heart of our whole spiritual life. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That is the essence of the spiritual journey, to be able to say fully, freely, with full heart, 
thy will be done. Today we have with us those preparing for RCIA to make that journey. And what a delight it has been uh, for me to, to be with you, to accompany you, and to know that this prayer, thy will be done, is front and center in your journey. You might have come to RCA for many reasons, right? Everything from like, oh, I know someone who's Catholic or someone in Catholic invited me or I'm preparing for another sacrament. It really doesn't matter why you've come, but the fact is you have come and responded. And when you seek, I promise you this, wherever else the Lord will bring you, whatever temptations or struggles you've experienced or will experience, because I, I, you will be tempted along this journey, 100%, that wants to throw you off from this moment. When you say those four words, thy will be done, you will experience God in your life. Let's all make that our prayer for Lent, huh? What if you got up in the morning and somebody said, whatever we face during the day, Lord, thy will be done. You get in traffic. Oh my goodness, don't get me started. Every time I have to commute, someone cuts you off. You're tempted to wave at the person and not use all five fingers. And you face that temptation, and then you take a deep breath and say, Thy will be done. At work, you're not acknowledged, you're not appreciated. Right? No one knows exactly what you do. You appreciate it, and you take a deep breath once again, and you say what? Thy will be done. Why am I doing this anyway? I'm doing it for your glory, Lord. I'm doing it for you in some way. Those relationships, perhaps we're fighting, or the broken relationship, or we can't see a reconciliation is possible. In fact, I had someone who, who told me recently, very wounded by a family member, and they said, Father, I can't possibly forgive that person. And you know my response was? I agree. <laughs> I don't see how you can forgive that person. They were a little bit shocked. <laughs> I said, but, but, are you open to have the Lord give you his strength to be able to let go? Hmm? You can't do it. Of course you can't do it. But God can use it to you. And those relationships that are broken, are you willing just to ask God for the first step to open your heart to want to forgive, to desire that forgiveness, to say, thy will be done. And perhaps we come to the end of the day. A wonderful exercise for Lent. We review the day, we see where God has been present, we give thanks, and we unite our will with God's, asking that his strength, his presence, continue to help us to face those temptations, those struggles. It's normal. It shouldn't paralyze us. Opportunity for growth in every way, but at the end of the day, to look to the Lord, to cast our cares upon him, and to pray powerfully and purposefully, thy will be done. Amen.